0: You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Well, greetings, everyone. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm your host, Doug Thorpe, and today we're going to be talking a little bit about village building If you uh, don't remember that term from back in the day, uh, somebody famously said it takes a village, but uh, I think it's more than that. It's uh, about mindset, it's about vision, and uh, definitely about leadership. My guest is a gentleman named Jason Butler, and Jason is gonna join me and uh, help us understand what this idea of uh, building the right kind of village is all about. Jason, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: You bet. It's a pleasure to uh, have you on. I want to ask, as I normally do most of my guests, give us a little bit of your backstory. What's your journey been like to get to where you are right now?
1: Yeah, so I spent 20 years in leadership in the nonprofit world, community organizing. I was a pastor for a while. And and now I'm working with executives and, and corporate executives and leadership teams, on how do we do leadership in this post-COVID world that seems to be pretty different than the way things were five or 10 years ago.
0: Totally agree with that. And all of my clients certainly echo that same sentiment that the uh, mindset that workers are bringing to the game today has definitely shifted. There's uh, a sense of entitlement is one way I've heard it described. And the best thing I can do to sum up what I've heard from dozens, if not hundreds of leaders that I talk to, is that the workforce is showing up with a whole different attitude. And as a leader, it's a new challenge. What What have you heard from these leaders you're working with?
1: Yeah, I think that's a lot of the same thing I'm working with uh, that I'm hearing. But I, you know, I th- th- this is my role, right? This is this is what I do. And when I when I hear that, I don't, you know, a lot of times leaderships want to like put the put the onus back on responsible back on the workers. And I'm not that guy. I am I'm a buck stops here guy. I'm a this is on leadership. Everything begins and ends with leadership. And so if we have this sort of derogatory view of our workers that you know, they're in the wrong and they want too much and they're entitled and they're lazy. And like, like that's our, that's our mindset problem. And so we're projecting that onto our employees and they're going to be what we are saying they're going to be. Right. And we, we know this in parenting, we know this in working with kids. If we tell kids that they're no good, lousy, not smart, no good for nothing, they're going to be lousy, no good, good for nothing, not smart. We tell them you are smart and brilliant, strong, courageous they're gonna grow up to be smart, strong and courageous. And so like, you, you know, so, so the communication here stems from what we think comes from our mind and flows out of our mouth. Like, what do we think about? What do we deeply think about our employees? And right now employees, are, I, I think they have every right to say, we need things to change. Uh, and they have more options than ever. They don't have to, to, to grind. Some people do, some people don't. And so like we're, we have this sort of great awakening in in as an employee and like wow I I can demand different situations than than I had and you know what they they have to listen to me because like this is this is scarce right we we don't have enough resources to go around so like I, I applaud employees great and really the challenge is on leadership and how do we adjust and adapt to this new reality where we can thrive because if we can thrive we just have to adapt.
0: I agree totally and. You know, there's been a long age old saying that even existed before the pandemic, that people joined companies and quit bosses. That's right. And Mm. it's a a habit thing that has been around. There have been names put on many of the different styles of leadership, but one that prevailed for many years is the thing that now is considered very old fashioned. It's command and control, Mm. you know. It's my way or the highway, yep. you know, that that kind of thinking. And boy, I tell you, this this new attitude that people are showing up with, they just absolutely will not suffer that command and control That's
1: right. structure. That's right. They won't. Absolutely, they won't. And, and so, like, for me, you know, what I talk about is, like, the old way is that. The new way, and this is what I write about, is servant leadership. And yep. people are like, what is servant leadership? You know, I mean, I bring my, my employees a cup of coffee in the morning. No, 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 no. That means, you know, I use this example of Coach K and his transformation after uh, the one and done rule and, and how he was a program coach. It was all about the program. You're going to come in here and you're going to work for the program and the program is going to make you better. But like after, you know, the times changed and we got these players who just came for one year and were gone. And he had to change. And so he adapted and became a player's coach instead of a program coach. He became a player's coach. And he said to the players, I'm going to make you the best basketball player you can be. I'm going to get you to the next level. I'm going to use all of my talents and resources to help you. And in that process, you're going to help me and we're going to win together. And so that's really the shift from like, I'm in control and I'm the boss and it's this way or the highway we move to an employee-empowered culture, where, we're, where our, our like whole demeanor, our whole role is to make our employees better, to give them more opportunities, to help them in, in advance in their career. And if we do that, we're not gonna have a retention problem. We're not gonna have an attraction problem. People are gonna wanna come work for you leader if you help them be the best that they possibly can be. And like I say, uh, rising tide lifts all ships. And That the you know as as they are empowered and they rise and they get better and they're more productive, your pro, your profitability is going to go up, your um, engagement is going to go up, your numbers are going to go up, and who's going to get the benefit and credit for it? You are, and so yeah. like this is what I tell employees: it's like move to empowering your employees, a servant based leadership model.
0: Yeah. Then- has been proven time and time again. And one of the powers that I think a lot of managers, I'm not even going to say leader, I'm going to say managers get stuck on, is the idea that I've I've really got to press, squeeze, and conjole people to do good work. Mm-hmm. I I argue with my clients that no, that's not the case. That Unless you've just really failed at hiring somebody, the people you hire tend to want to do the right thing and they want to do a good job. I was talking to somebody this morning in in a a run-up prep-up for another show we got into the, the range and he used the phrase, he said, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I want to go suck this morning.
1: <laughs> and
0: uh, no right. people want to, want to try to feel good about the work they're doing and the effort they're giving. So to your point, I, and I agree 100% leaders have to create that environment. And mm-hmm. for me, Setting up that right environment, uh, first and foremost, is starting with some clarity about purpose, plan, and, and direction. And mm-hmm. you know, explain to your people what you need. Explain what you're going to be about. Show yeah. them what success looks like. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, absolutely. And this is all about culture, right? We talk a lot about culture, and this is culture building in an organization. Are you going to have a culture where you're going to grind down? And and use the best of your employees? Like you see your employees as as just benefiting the company. Are you gonna have a culture where, where you are empowering, you're, you're uplifting, you are giving the best of the organization to your employees. You know what, like, you know, what what our dads probably said, my dad said, I'm probably probably your dad said, is, is like, well, respect has gotta be earned, right? I don't just give respect. And like that's well, <laughs> that's an old way of thinking. Like we're, we're all humans and every employee you have is full of an incredible amount of experience, wisdom, talent, knowledge, right? And they should be respected on day one for that, for what they bring to the organization. Our, our employees are spending more time at work than they do raising their own children. They see their bosses more than they do their children. And so let's respect that right? That's a huge sacrifice they're making for our profitability. And so, yes, I respect you. I'm thankful for you. I appreciate you. And I'm going to do my best to make sure that you thrive here and that you're not miserable, right? Like, like you're, you're, you're happy. You're, you're flourishing. You're not too stressed. Like, this is the sort of culture we want to create in our organizations.
0: Yeah. So Jason when you uh, engage with a company owner that admits he's struggling where where do you typically start out talking to them about changes that need to get made
1: Yeah I mean it starts with it starts with them really you know when I when I talk about folks it it starts what I say is culture it begins at the top it's set at the top it expands in the middle with your with your employees but if it's not set at the top, it can never expand in the middle. If it just starts in the middle, like it's, it's going to get squashed at the top. It will never take off. And so, you know, I talk about five principles for 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 executives to adopt. And it's really the village mindset principles. And I talk about empowerment. I talk about support, connection, purpose, and social investment. And really the way that these five work together. And that, you, you know, and I, I I go down there and I list, I kind of show people, I show people what these are all about, how you can implement at, pieces of this to really empower your employees, support, connect your employees, give them purpose. And also you're creating social investment where people like want to work. I mean, there's a stat out there that says that the average worker will take $21,000 less a year to work in a place where they feel they have a purpose, where they have, like they want to work there. They're doing some social good in the world.
0: $21,000 less.
1: Wow. I mean, that's huge. Now, that's not for everybody but that's, that's average. And so like how we, our leadership is empowering that or it's stopping that. And so really there, there's where I begin. It's just the mindset of the leader. Like let's change, let's change this from a taker to a giver, to, to an extractor, to an empowerer. That's your role. And you know, like it's all self-interest, right? I mean, uh, self-interest is self-interest. So like what's in it for me? And that's a great question because that's true. What's in it for the leader? There's this great book by um, Dr. Keltner. He's a PhD out of Berkeley. He did this study on power for 20 years. And he came to this conclusion. He said, the people who gain the most power in society are the ones that enable others to succeed, that help others. He frames this as the best about us as humans. The people that do the best job of being human and helping others be human, helping others, they're the ones that rise because people trust them. And people want to help them in return and people like want to follow them and they give them their trust. And so like you want to rise as an executive leader, help your people rise. And they're going to give that back to you.
0: You know, it it, it's such a challenge sometimes to get business owners. and, And I'm thinking of the entrepreneur that, you know, the guy that got an idea and decided he's going to go build a business around it. It's it, it's often hard to get them out from behind the idea and really start looking at the, well, the village he started to build, if he or she, you know, to to have a viable business, you're inevitably going to have to hire people. You You, you don't get to be a $100 million company with one guy in the garage. I mean, maybe there's some of those out there somewhere. I've never met one or heard about it. But as soon as you start hiring people, you run into all of these issues about trying to be human, trying to be a, a good leader. I was told a story. Another coach friend was sharing this with me on another episode, as a matter of fact. And she said she knew an entrepreneur, started a good-sized business up in New York, had 16 or 18 employees. Things were rocking along. I mean, they were hitting numbers and the seeing growth and seeing advancement, new new market share, all that. And one day one of the senior people, most trusted employees, came to him and said, Hey, we're rocking and rolling. Can we just take a break and go to a coffee shop down the street? Have mm-hmm. have an afternoon break. The, the owner goes, You know, that's an awesome idea. Let's go. Let's shut it down, everybody. Let's go down. We're we're good, you know. Mm-hmm. They go down to this coffee shop, and lo and behold, it wasn't just to have coffee, but this the, some of the employees had kind of gotten together and it became an intervention. Mm-hmm. And they said, hey, boss, while we're sitting here, we've got a couple of things we need to talk about. We think there are some things that we need to ask you to change so that we can do more. Mm -hmm. And they presented him this little manifesto. Fortunately, this owner had the emotional intelligence to sit back and say, oh, my God, Mm -hmm. tell me more. Yeah. Tell me more, and he just soaked it in. And he, you know, and one of as an example, one of them was he apparently had turned out to be a micromanager, mm. and they were telling him stop that. Yeah. We're good. We promise we're going to ask you if we've got a question. Otherwise, get out of our way and leave us alone. <laughs> we know this stuff. We're got we're we've, we're bought into what you want to do. Yeah. Just let us run with it, and he did. You yeah. know.
1: Yep. And that that's fantastic. And that's a great example of um, the, the shift, you know, like there's like ego-based leadership. And if that that leader was ego-based, he would have heard that and been offended. And like, how dare you to to approach me like I'm I'm the boss, I'm the leader. Because in, in that sense, he was the center. Yeah. And so if we shift that into an emotional intelligence space, they're they're the center. The other people are the center. And we exist. To help them be better they don't exist to help us be better and he understood this and was but kudos kudos on him to have that emotional intelligence and you know when when we when we move our ego out of the way we're we're able to listen to people like really listen what do you, what do you have to say and that doesn't mean that they're right or wrong but we don't react right we just like okay i'm i'm gonna take that and i'm really gonna i'm gonna think about that lots of times i found that when i listen to people when i listen to my employees and my team You know, I don't always change what they wanted to change, right? Sometimes I I think, no, you know, we we can't do that. They don't quite understand. But the, the process of listening and being open to that is like they come back and they understand. And I come back to them, I'm like you know what? I really, really thought about what you said. Well, I can't go all the way with it, but here's some changes that I thought about we could make based on your recommendations. What do you think about this? And, and immediately they feel empowered. They feel like they're included. They feel listened to and they're in, right? They're in. And so that's, that's, that's the challenge. That's the goal is to really get our employees to buy in, to be fully engaged. Because once they're fully engaged, they're going to be more profitable and productive.
0: You know, related to what you just said, there's a popular business buzzword that's bubbled up th- through the pandemic, uh, this thing called psychological safety, mm-hmm. building an environment at work yep. of psychological safety. What, what's your take on that? What do you think that really means from a, both from a leader's and an employee's perspective?
1: yeah absolutely. you know that to me, I talk about I talk about this in the great resignation. I talk about psychological safety. and really, you know this term psychological safety comes out of let's just think where we are right let's let's think of the past three years. like we have been through a nightmare in the last three years. We try not to think about it. We're good soldiers, we move on, we just do what we have to do. but like we've been through a trauma like you remember that two years ago, March, we are like, what does it mean to shut down? Like, what does that mean? My, my kids are at home, I'm not going to work, there's no school, are you kidding me? And so all of a sudden we get, our whole lives get thrown in the air, like a snow globe, we get shook up, right? And so the brain, you know, I study neurology a lot, I love it, neuroscience, and our brains can't deal with that. But this is something new, do we fight or flight? You know, we go into immediate stress mode. And so coming out of that two years, we are stressed beyond capacity. Look at society, right? We, you, you, you go to the grocery store and people are like beating each other up because, you, you know, somebody skipped the line. Like, that's not us, but we're so stressed. And so now we come into the workplace and our brains are telling us, you have to be safe. You have to find safety because this can't happen again. If this happens, you have to be prepared. This is what our brains are doing to prepare us. And so now we're coming into our workplaces and everything has to be safe. And so what it is, is our brain saying, I I, I, I can't operate in this space if I'm feeling overstressed. Psychological safety is being overstressed, is the counter to being overstressed. So that's that's a challenge of leadership, right? To create systems where we decrease the stress, decrease the unpredictability, decrease the accusations and increase safety. You're safe here, you're seen, you're known, and you're valued as a human and as a worker and I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure that in this space you're not going to be accused, you're not going to be hated, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be kicked out, you're safe here. And so like that's the challenge for, for leaders is to create this psychological safety and that's, that's a center point to the village mindset.
0: You know that term. At least the first time I heard it was related to the famous, now famous study that Google did about their work teams. And it, the study, interestingly, was actually published in 2018 before the mm-hmm. pandemic was ever on our radar. Uh, many of my listeners have heard me talk about this in the past, but uh, real short story: the you know Google looked around and said you know, our hiring practices are legendary. We, we get the best of the best yet. Once somebody comes on board and we put them on a team, not all teams perform at the same Mm -hmm. high level. Why is that? How can that be? It doesn't make any sense. So they did this study two year study. And they came away with the finding that the number one contributor of higher performing teams was psychological safety. Mm -hmm. People had, uh, you know, been freed of that threat. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned neuroscience. I'm I I have not, I guess, studied it in a formal way as in pursuing a degree, but I do a lot of reading in that area myself. And one of the key things that jumped out at me that the studies tell us that when you are in that fight or flight <clears throat> mindset and emotion, there's physiological things happening in the brain, your your frontal cortex actually loses blood flow, and that's where your reasoning and your work goes. Yep. yep. So without blood flow, you can't be performing at your optimum level if you're in that mode of threat. And um, back to the whole village mindset and leaders, you know, working hard to create an environment where people do feel safe, they don't feel threatened, they can allow that metaphysical shift in their brain so they can do good work. Yes, that's right. It's really important.
1: It it is important. And it's science, right? I mean, this is not just like, you know, leadership kind of mumbo jumbo. This is is hardcore science. And I I talk a lot in my book about compassion and the power of compassion for leadership. And so we talk about stress brain, right? So, you know, we're we're decreasing in productivity and thought and speech. Like stress does that to us. It decreases us in every single way. Makes us sick. Makes us tired, makes us grumpy, makes us less productive and less creative. And but the counter to that, biologically, it's not just, it's not just me making this up, is compassion. You know, like we we have this vagus nerve that runs through our body, begins at our brain, runs through our, our all our body, the largest nerve in the human body, touches the heart, lungs, the intestines, everything. And when we operate, when we do a compassionate act, when we do something kind for one another, our brain releases positive hormones all throughout our body. And science has shown when we the more compassionate acts that we do, it cre- it increases our creativity, it increases our speech functionality, it decreases our blood pressure, increases uh, our, our 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 immune system, and actually makes us more likable to other people. Like you know, like a lot of our leaders need that, right? They 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 want to be likable to other people. Right. Let's operate in compassion because compassion directly counters stress. When we're compassionate, we're not stressed because the brain is doing its thing. This is, bio- this is biology, this is evolution, right at this core. And so what I tell leaders is as much as you can, think about compassionate acts before you do them. Like Think about them. Think about that time that you, had, you did something nice. All right, we're getting into that mindset. All right, now do something nice for, for somebody else. Be compassionate, go out of your way. Doesn't take a lot. Science shows us that even the act of giving somebody a fist bump or a high five releases positive hormones for people. I tell people, go around the office. When you do your rounds around the office, you see people at the water cooler, give them a fist bump, right? And like, bam, we're, we're releasing we're, trust. We just engaged in a trust activity. Our brains did. Like we don't even know, like it's subconscious. Our brains just said, I trust you. Uh, you're, you're, you're cool. Uh, I can trust you. Give people a high five. We Science says that teams that give each other more high fives, the more productivity and the better you work together because the more you trust each other.
0: I love it. <clears throat> well, Jason, this is good stuff. I tell you what, we're up on uh, break time. and We're going to insert a commercial message here. But when we come back, we're going to dive uh, deeper into this idea of leaders being able to create the right kind of village in, in your work team. So hang with us. We'll be right back. Business is all about solving complex problems as fast as you can create them. Become the best problem solver by leading others to greatness, too. And the first step is going to DougThorpe.com. DougThorpe is known globally for coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders, improving their performance and the work output of everyone surrounding them. You can find health, wealth, and happiness by learning to lead others to health, wealth, and happiness. Go to DougThorpe.com now and order Doug's books or hire him to coach your managers. That's DougThorpe.com. Hello again, everyone. We're back. You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm Doug Thorpe. And today I'm visiting with Jason Butler. We're talking about leaders being able to create the right kind of village at your work. And and I'm, I'm going to say right now, because part of what's going through my mind, somebody in my audience is sitting there, what the heck is Doug talking about village? You know, I hate that word. I don't like it. But I'm going to ask you to hang with us and 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 kind of kind of hear us out, and then at the end, if you want to make judgment, then so be it. And I'll take all your letters, but I I, I think it's important the things we're talking about here, it, and we hit on a lot of them in the first half. We're going to lean in and hit a couple more. So, Jason, we were talking in the green room. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and jump right in. One of the Big elements that challenges leaders sometimes is the age old skill of being able to communicate. How does your communication as a leader change if you're going to be a, a an advocate for building the right kind of village?
1: Yeah, so I talk to leaders and and there's like this this shift. Um, we know right we know the golden rule right we 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 learned this uh, we learned the golden rule you know doing to others as we would have them do to us, right. If you went to Sunday school, you, you learned that, you know, it's ingrained in our history, in our society. But there's a problem with that, with the golden rule, is it, is it, it makes me the center of the world. It says everybody wants to be treated and communicated with like I want to be communi- treated, right? That's not, that's not right. I mean, I mean, some, people want to be treated differently than I want to be treated. And so we, cha- we talk about the platinum rule, which the platinum rule is do unto others as they want to have done to them. Right. <laughs> so so like we we put them first. And so I talk about in my book, I talk about platinum communication and learning how people want to be communicated with. I mean, some people are just like all business. Like, I don't, I don't want to have a meeting. I don't want to have a relationship. I just want you to tell me the three th- th- things that I need to do today. And I want them done. But we have other people who want that connection. Right. They want they, they want to feel the connection. We have some people who want to be appreciated. And to be appreciated is the most important thing. Some people just want to hang out. We, we, we know those people. like we just, I just want to grab a beer with you after work. Let's grab a beer. Then, then I'm good, right? So when we talk about platinum communication, this is really key for leadership to really kind of understand to some degree how our people function. I, I like have a test. I talk about it in my book that it really gives five communication languages. And, and so really honing in to how people wanna be communicated with. Then I know, right? Um, if one of my employees really needs to be appreciated, that's how I start my, that's how I start my day with them. I, I go to them and I say, hey, um, Sally, I really, really appreciated what you did here. This report was right on and here's how it made my life better. Here's how it had benefited the company. Boom, boom, boom. And here's, so let's, let's think about today. Here's what I need from you today. Can we, can we do this? So like, oh wow, it, it changes the whole dynamic, right? I began with appreciating her. Some people, some people don't need that. Some people need um, to to feel like I care about their life. I go to them. I'm like, how's how, how's your how's your puppy? You got a puppy? Tell me about your puppy. You know what's going on? How is it? You get any sleep? You know, or they you had a baby, or you know their son's in in football. I'm like, hey, tell me about how's your son doing? How was the game the other night? Okay, cool, cool. Now we've opened up the pathway of the brain. They got what they needed, and now I can come in and be like, okay, what about? What about Thursday? How are we going to get to where we need to be on Thursday? Let's tell me to walk me through that. And so like, bam. And so like really kind of helping people to that that's psychological safety. That's opening the brain up where they feel safe. And now we can get done what we need to get done.
0: You know that sounds very similar. I'm I'm remembering a book from the 80s, and now I'm drawing a blank on the author. But it, it was the one that presented us with the five love languages.
1: Oh, uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh, absolutely. It, mm-hmm.
0: it was a couples deal mm-hmm. primarily, but I I can recall as a manager and leader in the business I was in at the time. It was banking, but I took that book and I thought about that in in respect to my staff. I, I thought. You know, this explains why people react differently to different things. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're listening out there and you're a leader and you're struggling with this, you've got a vision and a pathway you're on and you're putting out this information, communicating, but you feel like three out of five of your people aren't getting it, mm-hmm. you're probably not talking their language.
1: Mm-hmm. That's right.
0: And it's 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 back to this whole thing of what motivates people, and you know, uh, it, it was a powerful learning. And I don't even I don't know that I remember the five pieces. Of, I, I know it's acts of kindness, mm. uh, gifts, yep, yes. gifts of love. Some people like getting gifts. That's mm-hmm. that's the way they feel loved. If somebody gives them a gift, other people want to serve others. So if you give them a gift, they now feel bad. They don't feel good. They feel bad because they want to go do something. So uh, that's the way that dynamic plays out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And and that, that's really what my communication languages are based around are those five, are those five languages. And so kind of moved those over into um, how we Perfect. communicate as leaders.
0: So powerful. And I think it gets back to uh, maybe tying a couple of dots together here. A lot of my clients will tell you that we've had discussions about, as a leader, you got to be sensitive to how your people are showing up every day. Mm -hmm. And I I do a lot of work with clients centered on the Maslow's hierarchy of need. Mm -hmm. Yep. And back that bottom rung in Maslow is kind of that lack of that psychological safety. Yeah. You're, you're fearing for life and, and, uh, uh, security. Mm-hmm. And the reality is the people you hire are going to show up day by day in various levels yeah. on that hierarchy of needs. Yeah. Some days they're going to really be on top of their game. They're feeling really pumped. They're excited. They're they're really ready to get into that self actualization range, as as the grid calls it. But other days, you know, maybe they had a fight with the spouse before they walked out the door, and, and their mind is halfway across town, and yeah. and they they're really not feeling it, so to speak. Some when I start usually going down that path with some leaders, they'll immediately recoil and say. That's not my problem. They need to show up ready to go. They mm-hmm. need to be in the game. And I'm going, yeah, but how can you help them get back in the game?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, what I, you know, they kind of like, you know, when I hear people say that I'm like, ah, but you, you show up to you show up and are grumpy sometimes at work and you make everybody else's life miserable. Right. Um, because you, you, you know, what your kid was, you walked out the door and you had a fight with your teenager right before you left. Like, it, 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 it's like we have to understand, I think, that we're all human. And our, and our employees, life is really, really hard. Life is so hard for folks. Like, some people have kids who are going through addiction, right? Teenagers who are going through they're They're battling that. Some people are sick, and you don't know it. Maybe maybe their spouse is sick. You don't know it. Maybe a parent is dying, and you don't you don't know that. Maybe they're they they've had something happen, and they're like so much financial insecurity in their life right now. That people's lives are so difficult on so many levels. And I think we we don't we don't have to be jerks about it, right? I, I what what I find is this, it eases so much if we see somebody who's like they're they're somewhere else. They're not able to do their job today. And just going up to them and saying, hey, yeah, you know, I, I've noticed you're, you're, you seem really stressed today. We're like, what's going on? You want to talk about it? Um, I, I just want you to know, hey, we, if you need some PTO, if you need some time off, we have it there. Feel free to take it. If you need, if you need to take the afternoon, take it. Like, it. like just that act of compassion and for people to know like, oh, wow, I don't have to hide myself here. You'll get so much more out of people. When you just embrace the reality that people's lives are hard and people are going to bring their personal lives to work, none of us can separate and make walls there. Not even our executive leaders, not our our CEOs, nobody can do that. We bring it all with us. And so just recognizing that, embracing it, but also saying, hey, you know what? We, We know we have a job to do. We know that we have to get these things done in spite of our life. We have to get those things done. So how can we help you do that?
0: I agree. I agree. Well, I, I know we've covered a lot of ground and I'm, I'm watching the clock here. I, I really want to round out this, this thing. Let, let's get back to the central theme, uh, building the right kind of village at work. What have we left out so far that we haven't touched on?
1: Yeah, I think like what, one, one thing we talk about, right, I hear I hear some people, some leaders say or some people like in a, in a company say, well, our company is like a family. And I'm like, no, no, it's not. If you if you have to lay somebody off, are you gonna let them live in your, your guest room for three months until they land on their feet? <laughs> like, no, you're you're not gonna do that. Like we're, your company is not a family unless it's literally a family business. But but we can be a village. And so uh, th- th- this idea of a village really goes back to just a village. It's not about Hillary Clinton that takes a village like that. That comes from an African proverb, right? And so some people recoil against against that idea. This is this idea that we all live and and work in in a space. And let's embrace collaboration. Let's embrace the reality that we're all connected to one another. And sometimes people are gonna leave our company. Sometimes they're gonna come back. Some people are gonna struggle. Sometimes they're gonna thrive. And so how can we create a sort of mindset and a way to see people that helps everyone flourish in the best possible way? Because that's what a village does, right? Like we all, have our, we all have our roles, but we work collaboratively with one another. And so really our workplaces is the only place now in our world that we really connect with people. Like we live away from family. We're not engaged in religious communities like we used to be. We, we don't have social activities anymore. Like we just go to work. That's the only place we can connect with people. And so like the workplace is the new village where we can find our identity, where we can live out our purpose, where we can connect with others, and we can work collaboratively towards something good that we're proud of and we get satisfaction for. And so that's really this big idea in the village. And for us as leaders, appreciating people that work in our places where they, where they know, where they're seen, they're known, and they're valued. Both for what they do and who they are, and so like like th- those, that's really kind of the mindset shift that I really help people to get into.
0: And uh, you know uh, that that brings a thought to my mind. Not not to dissuade anything that you've said, but if anybody's struggling with that word of village because of the former political connotations of it, uh, just think of community, and mm-hmm. and yep. we are communal animals. Mm-hmm. We, we thrive better when we're connected. Nobody yeah. really does well isolated and alone. Look at the statistics on criminals that end up in solitary confinement for long yeah. periods of time. They actually get worse m- much more than, than get better. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea of creating a thriving community is what I think we're talking about here. Yeah. And Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely,
1: mm-hmm. and that is because we, as humans, we evolved. Our human evolution took place in villages. That's that's where our brains are wired for that village life, like literally a village life where you know fifty people, one hundred people live in close proximity, and we're working in close proximity together, and we we know our neighbors, and they know us, and we all know each other, and we we're all helping one another get through life. That's really the idea of the village.
0: And I, I'm thinking of a, a mental picture that I got. It was an education for me a, a number of years ago. My wife and I went to Europe and we did one of the uh, <clears throat> river cruises up the Rhine going into Germany. And, and we did the west to east version of the, the cruise. So we we're entering into that country land and uh, you you are just immediately impacted by these uh old, old castles that are on every hillside and, and, and you see them, I mean, they're just, you know, just less than a quarter mile apart. And when you really think about the evolution of mankind, once upon a time, there were no countries. Every one of those castles was its, its fiefdom. Yeah. And whatever community the Mm -hmm. Lord of that castle created and, you know, and maybe they would go to war with the castle next door <laughs> over a you know a lost goat or something. But um, you know that's how people survived. Yeah. And it it's it's helpful, I think, periodically to get some some graphic reminders of how those dynamics can work. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a really interesting mindset shift that business owners and leaders ought to take to heart. What else do you do to try to hammer this home with with the kind of company owners and leaders that you work with?
1: Yeah, I mean this. This is all framed in in the benefit that this is going to bring to to them, right? So we have this word belonging. Belonging is a big word right now, along with psychological safety. And so you know I, that's that's the area that I work in, servant leadership that em, that empowers belonging with a village mindset. And so we we want to belong to something. We all want to belong. And so um, stats now, data is coming out to say. Um, what is belonging? Belonging is when we feel a sense of camaraderie and connection to where we work, that we're happy to work there, that we feel that we have a purpose to work there and, and that people value us and we value our people. And so when, when we get this, this is like the magic sauce in a, in, a, in a culture, an organizational culture. And when we get this, it it shows that people with our companies, our employees become 56% more productive Sick days go down by seventy five percent. We we actually become one hundred and twenty one percent more profitable when we get when, like companies and employees that show high levels of belonging makes our companies more profitable and makes it, it, it makes sure that people stay there longer. We, we're not having high turnover. And so I frame this when I talk to I was like, this is what you want. You, you you want to become more profitable. You want to become higher engaged culture. You want to lower your, um, you're losing your employees, lower your sick days. Yeah, then this is what you need. This is going to benefit you and your people.
0: Occasionally, I'll get into a discussion with a business owner that will hear something like that and they'll say, well, you know, that might work a place like ExxonMobil, but it's not going to work for me. And, and I go, well, why not? Actually, it could potentially be easier for you to implement than then ExxonMobil to do it.
1: That's right. It, it is easier because you have less employees. You can be more engaged in in, a, in an easier way. It's going to cost you less in terms of effort and time and energy to implement and to change your culture. So it's it's, it's a lot easier. And so, you know, when, when I think of that, I, I think oftentimes – Leaders, the leaders that we see now, executive leaders, they've been extremely successful in their business, and their habits and mindset got them to where they are. Right, that a certain way of seeing the world got you to this success, and it makes sense why you would think like, "Well, I don't need to change. This is this is who I am. This got me here." But you know, is that book that we we know, business leadership book, like what got you here won't get you there. And I think that's really what we're facing right now. Is this this huge shift post COVID, like things are different and the people that adapt will thrive. But if the leaders, if they come and they're like, well, I, you know, I'm not, I, you know, we're fine. We don't really need anything. I've been successful. Like you're successful now, but in five years, you're really going to feel the pain of the, the choice that you made not to adapt Five
0: years ago, I think the book you're referencing is is by Marshall Goldsmith, and of course, Marshall's got some some great thought about leaders I, I, I think we're going to need to put a bow on this, Jason. Okay. Any yeah. any parting thoughts that you want to leave with people?
1: No, I, I think I think what I the, the way that I in my book is is I talk about planting sequoias, and that that's mm-hmm. sort of a that's sort of a weird way to end a business leadership book. But I think that's the sort of mindset that that we're in, right? Like our world is shifting the next 50 years, whether we like it or not, whether we agree with this politic or that politic, we are facing some of the most unprecedented challenges that we've ever faced as humans. And and the next 50 years are going to demand a different way of engaging the world, a different way to run businesses. And younger employees want to work for companies and they want to follow leaders that are making a difference in the world, not just profitable, not just making them money, but are also making a difference in the world. That's what younger employees are looking for. So I tell people, plant sequoias, like plant this, this tree and it's gonna take a, a long time to grow, but plant it now, as the as Chinese proverb said, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is right now. And so plant and invest in social investments. In purpose in making a difference in the world. And as we do that, those leaders and those companies that are doing that now will be the leaders in five to 10 years. Look at the companies that 10 years ago invested in sustainability, CSR, DEI. Where, where are they right now? They're leaders in, 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 in the framework of corporations. People want to work for them because they have their culture right. And so plant the tree now, plant the Sequoia, make the investment, it's gonna take a while to see it through, but when it does, it's gonna grow huge.
0: That's a great reminder and a great word picture to follow, Jason. If folks want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that?
1: Yeah, you can find me online. You can email me uh, my my email. Um, you can go to my website, thevillagemindset.com. dot com. You can find me on LinkedIn. Everywhere you can find me on Amazon with my book, The Village Mindset. So I'm out there. Just search Jason Butler and i bet you'll find me.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today and taking time out and uh, being here. Really appreciate your work. Thanks for having me. And folks, uh, all that reference to those links and things are going to be in the show notes. So if you didn't catch them on the fly, we uh, got them packed into the, the notes. Um, if you'll just look down in the comments, you'll get them. <clears throat> um, I do want to remind everybody, we published this episode on YouTube as well as your favorite audio streaming channel. So hop over to YouTube and look for the same name, Leadership powered by Common Sense, you'll find us over there, and I really want to encourage you to subscribe to that channel. Uh, Leave us a comment, uh, like, thumbs up, thumbs down, whichever you need or feel uh, moved to do is is welcome. I do invite people to leave me a comment or get in touch with me if you've got an idea for a new episode and uh, a subject that maybe we haven't covered yet. would really love to uh, uh, explore that with you, so uh, I welcome that comment. And for now, we're going to shut this uh, thing down say goodbye and wish you the best and hope to see you again real soon. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.